We put a bow on fall camp, and also, is there a chance Ole Miss could wear white helmets against Troy? Stay tuned to find out. This is the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for tuning in today. On today's show, we're going to wrap up camp very nicely. But before we do, we want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. You know, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, we want to thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, upvote the video itself. So, Let's do a little camp wrap-up as we get going. There's there's things that we know, there's things that we assume, and there's things that are kind of unknown. And if we want to talk about the things that we know is that this team is unbelievably deep, potentially the deepest team in my lifetime. Of course, I've told you that for six months. Um, the talent infusion of Wayne Kiffin is breathta- breathtaking, but... As I also told you over and over for six months, it's one thing to be talented, it's quite another to be good. And the two weeks that determines really how good you're going to be in camp, those are passed. So we get to get a report card against Troy. Now, what we assume, I assume that Jackson Dart is the quarterback in question. Um, it hasn't been announced. It could go the other way. I mean, it's it. there's zero consequences to being wrong on this. Um, but there's a chance that um, Luke, Alt- Luke Altmeyer could take the first snap against Troy, and good for him because Luke, as we told you, had an admirable performance in the Sugar Bowl and was built up. He's a four-star recruit too, but we think it's going to be Jackson Dart. What we don't know is how good some of these transfers are going to be and what the depth chart actually looks like. That is one of the things they've done a good job of keeping under wraps, and as it goes, I think you've got a chance to see um, exactly how good this team could be based off of those transfers. That's going to be your key that you need to look at when you're watching the game against Troy and you're like, how good are we? The key are those transfer players, the Jared Ivies, the Kari Coleman's, the Troy Browns, the Malik Heaths, the Michael Trigg, the Jackson Darts, the Zach Evans, those guys, how they settle in. They're the ones that's going to carry this team. And it'll be a, a nice key to see exactly where they stand. As camp goes, we kind of accomplished everything we needed to. Now, they're not going to talk about stuff they don't need to. We are here to speculate about stuff. And we're here to think about stuff. We're here to see what in our mind we want Ole Miss to get better at. And so Lane Kiffin obviously went into media days with the culture issue. He kept bringing up the culture issue, and that happened for the first week of camp. And then the um, quarterback competition kind of took hold. So there were answers kind of chalked up to distract people from the quarterback competition. Then the first scrimmage happened, and everybody kind of laid eyes on it. So it had to change a little bit. 
So it moved on. I think we had a stretch where we had a um, frat boy punter, which I don't think he was actually a frat boy, but we'll 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 see what he looks like, and we'll see what the punting game looks like. That's another unknown of this fall camp is how the punting game looked because from accounts, Fraser Mason isn't out on the field, and he was the guy brought in to be the dude. So we will see exactly what that looks like. We we don't we don't know about the return game at all. Who's going to be back returning kicks? I've not heard one bit of speculation about that. People assume maybe Ulysses Bentley. People assume um, Tysheem Johnson. But we'll see what it looks like on September 3rd when they go out there to kick for the first time. This is all really fascinating stuff. But in camp, I do think what needed to be accomplished did get accomplished because what you see is a very, like, really confident defense every interview out there you can just see it they ooze confidence not cockiness not swagger whatever that is they ooze confidence whenever you talk about it, and they're like yeah we're, we're, we're pretty dang deep and troy brown's going to be great and david Inks, davidson igmanosin is going to play and there's a chance he might not start as impressive as he's been Quinchon Judkins is going to be down on the depth chart as well. That shows you how deep we are. When you look at the Senior Bowl watch list, what I told you yesterday, that gives you an idea of how deep this is and how this team is thought of by the NFL. There's three more players on the Senior Bowl watch list from Ole Miss than Georgia. Now, are we saying that Ole Miss is better than Georgia? No, of course not. But for the senior class, there's cause for optimism. Maybe cautious optimism because we did define 2020 yesterday's podcast and we talked about how this season it's important to maximize it to get ready for 2023 because 2023 it's all in front of us it's like um that third year of the the big money class of Ole Miss baseball you expect them to make a run the same thing is kind of going to happen on the football side of the field there are going to be players galore and anybody that declares and moves on, they're going to be taken care of in the transfer portal as well. So it's interesting. It's all very interesting, and I'm very fired up. I hope you have a good weekend. Take it off. Watch some football. Um, last night we put out our three games to watch that have our attention. It was, let's see, Nebraska, Northwestern, Stephen F. Austin, and Jacksonville State just because of the um, drama that's going on around it and um, Vanderbilt and Hawaii. That's our week zero games, and we're going to do that as the season goes, goes on. And also on Fridays, we're going to do uniform drop videos. And we can't do one now because, well, honestly, there's no uniform announcement to do it off of now. But just a little taste of what we're talking about. This is a video that was posted by Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is a, um, a staff member doing one-on-ones. But the important thing that I would like to point out in the background is the helmets. They wore navy blue throughout all of camp and into basically game week. Now, I'm not saying Ole Miss is going to wear white helmets, but this changeover happened, to my knowledge, today. So... It will be important to see exactly what Ole Miss will do. We can speculate all we want to on this, 
because this is a big deal and there's going to be people that just don't care about it but there's going to be some hardcores like me some sickos that really care about it is this the chance we see the white helmet and the red jersey we saw recruits posing with that it's something that it looks really good but are we going to see the white helmets with the red jersey and the white pants against Troy I know people are going to look at this and say that's not Ole Miss that's not the Ole Miss I grew up with no it's not but that's okay remember Ole Miss and Bennett play in this uniform game but long before Oregon like took it out to the next level Ole Miss invented it when everybody else was playing in two colors a, a red jersey and a white jersey an orange jersey and a white jersey Ole Miss always had three sometimes four Steve Sloan had um, the blue number jersey. That's when that started, with the blue stripes that was worn last, um, well, that he wore, that was worn last in that group in the Independence Bowl. But Hugh Freeze brought them back in 2013, as famously with the blue pants and all that. And it took time. It, I mean, it probably took 50 years for us to get this right. We finally have a really good strip of uniforms. We got a navy helmet. We got a um, um, powder helmet, a white helmet. We got the um, navy jersey, the red jersey, the powder jersey, the white jersey. I think we're going to have a white jersey with powder numbers eventually. And they're going to be able to do stuff like that. But I think the uniforms are about where they need to be for the first time, really, in a long time. Now, I'm also the type of person that truly enjoys change. That's that's something that's always been okay with me. And change never bothered me. Change is something different that can be fun, that can be great. It's nothing is happening right now that you wouldn't that you would be upset if something changed. So I know that there's other people that are like, oh, Ole Miss is red jersey, navy jersey, and one helmet or another, and that is the Ole Miss we used to with the gray pants and yada, yada, yada. I get that. I understand that entirely. I mean, you can see behind me from my knickknacks. Um, but they look good. We have the best color scheme in the country, and not being flexible with it is kind of pigeonholing ourselves. If organic green and yellow can make themselves into a brand over time imagine what Ole Miss could do with those colors because no matter what red and blue it doesn't really beat that there's so much you can do especially with two different color blues because that basically gives you two separate palettes it's it's quite impressive anyway I hope everybody enjoys the weekend. We have um, Eddie Small coming up in the second segment, and Tom Vanderford's going to be available in the third segment if technology doesn't get us all and take us all down. So if you see me again, something happened. Um, but I hope everybody has a really good weekend. I hope everybody has a lot of fun. Um, but I just wanted to wrap up camp and get ready for Troy Prep. We're here because we're going to start game week stuff next week. That's going to be really cool. Anyway, let me tell you about BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. 
Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, <coughs> esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live and game betting scores and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. The ultimate college football preview is here. A seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College football insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for the Ultimate College Football Podcast on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. I am on the SEC one if you're interested in that. Anyway, in the first segment, we talked about what we know, what we assume, and what we need to know. Those three things are key with the Ole Miss football program. And that becomes an important thing, especially the what we need to know, because those questions might not be answered until after Kentucky, whenever that run starts, because you have four four games set up in September that Ole Miss should win. Ole Miss should be able to out-talent the teams they're playing, just period. They should be able to out-talent. But in October, you have Kentucky, you have Auburn, you have LSU, you have Vanderbilt, and everybody's like, ha, ah, Vanderbilt, but you have Vanderbilt. They count too, so... That is difficult game, difficult game, difficult game, trap game. Because if you look where Vandy sits on the schedule, that becomes a thing too. So look at October as the, I don't know, the Rosetta Stone of this season to where you're going to be tested. Kentucky can play murder ball. They're going to hand the ball to Craig Rodriguez and try to do exactly what Alabama did to Ole Miss last year. That just period. That's what they're going to do. Will Levis is a decent enough quarterback. He's not great, but he's a decent enough quarterback. LSU, you don't know what you're going to get with LSU. Supremely talented team. Supremely. Auburn, that wounded dog situation there. Ole Miss should win the game. They have the talent to win the game, but I've seen Ole Miss lose that game before. And Vanderbilt, a trap game. Handle your business. You move into November, Texas A&M on the road. That's going to be a difficult game. Although Texas A&M is kind of in show-me territory um, in regards to not having a quarterback. Alabama coming to Oxford. Tough game. Toughest game on the schedule. No doubt about that. But Alabama coming to Oxford. Hopefully Jackson Dart or whoever's playing quarterback has everything figured out by then. Arkansas. This is the game that scares the hell out of me. It just does. Because where it sits between Alabama and five days before Mississippi State, and it's in Fayetteville, which is a house of horrors for Ole Miss football. It just always has been. So I want to see what happens in that one. But if Ole Miss can get through that one and get through the Egg Bowl, which is going to be difficult, it's a game that I think Ole Miss can win, but it's going to be difficult the way it's it's situated. So we'll see exactly how that goes for the Rebs this season. Because, like I said, you can see that Ole Miss has a chance to go 5-7, and seven, like on the very low end of the floor. And you can see them going 10-2, and 11-1. You can see them anywhere in between. 
And it's all because of those games I just mentioned. Ole Miss can go 8-8. Eight and eight. They can go 4-4 four and four in their first eight. I don't think they can go like 2-6, and six, but that you know that's where the four comes from. And then you have that tough November. That's the reason I say that 5-7 and seven is on the table. So we'll see what happens. But the important thing is, as we told you yesterday, that Ole Miss needs to maximize maximize 2022 because 2023 could be special if they can maximize and get to a certain point this year. Everything kind of builds on itself, even though this isn't a program-type situation, but it'll be easier for Ole Miss to make a run with expectations in 2023 after a 8-9 or 10-win season in 2022 than it will be for Ole Miss to be 5-7 and seven and try to convince people that they're going to be good the next year. It's going to be interesting. You already see the national media narrative that's going around that's a little bit askew. I mean, it goes everywhere. You see, you see Ole Miss from dead last in the West all the way to second in the West. And there's no consistency through any of the um, analysts. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, Tom Vanderford is not going to be here today. He had an emergency um, medical thing he had to go taken care of. So good luck to Tom. Um, we're um, thinking good thoughts about you and hope everybody else is as well. Eddie Small is taking his spot in the third segment. He will be here in the third segment, and he's got about 18 minutes of talking about playing for Brewer. Um, Jabari Small, his brothers, Tony Small and O.J. Small, and all of that as Ole Miss and uh, others build around this Eddie Small thing. Because Eddie Small held the receiving yard record for about 30 years. Not a small feat, so we talked to him about that as well. But let's hear from our sponsors right now when we come back. Eddie Small. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. Leave a five-star review. You can say whatever you want to say. Just make sure it's a five-star review. You can say Steve has fantastic guests, but he's a little bit of a narcissist himself. I'll say, okay, just make sure it's a five-star review. I'm here with Eddie Small. We are always talking about the OG of the receivers court, like Shea Hodge talked about him being the OG and Mike Espy and everybody's going back. Well, we got Eddie Small from like the early 90s and the original, he put two bills up on Vanderbilt. How you doing, Eddie? I'm doing great, and so? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, yeah. We just we just concluded camp at Ole Miss and it, I kind of wonder, what was it like to play for Billy Brewer back under that staff in that era? Well, man, um, Billy Brewer, I mean, back, back then, I mean, Billy, the dog, as they used to call him. Um, and Billy was a he was an open door type guy, man. I mean, um, great players coach. Uh, I mean, old school. <laughs> I mean, he didn't um, he didn't hold anything back. You know, that's on the field, off the field. I mean, you know, on the field he he push you, and off the field, man, he'll he'll hug you and tell you he love you. He you know, old school type coach, great guy. Yeah. What's a camp story? What do you remember something that happened particularly in camp? Oh, man. Um, we coach Brewer up. I mean, man, he held – he held one thing about Brewer, he held us, you know, accountable um, as, for, as for the team. You know, he wasn't the, um, the most gifted team. He wasn't the fastest nor the biggest. But, um, man, we, we, we played with, you know, I guess that, that dog mentality, 
Um, and, um, you know, it was instilled in us from day one. You know, um, I recall my freshman year when I reported to, to Ole Miss. And I was only 17 years old. And being away from home, you know, um, you kind of, especially in my case, 11 hours away, you're, um, you know, you're a little nervous. You you know, first time away from mom and dad. And, man, they had a way of um, introducing you to the, to the college level, you know, hey, he was like, you can forget about mom and dad. No one's here to save you, but you're, <laughs> you're mine now, you know. And uh, man, I knew from that point on. I mean, hey, I, I was, I, like, I was happy. I was happy to know I was that I was in good hands. But at the same time, like, man, it's a little nervous, you know. You can be a little, a little nervous in that at that point. But it was all good, man. Bro, hey, he always had your best interest. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you signed with Ole Miss, Ole Miss was just coming off a of Liberty Bowl. They lost their quarterback with John Darnell. Um, so Correct. you would have gotten right there as a true freshman with Rush Owls and Tom Luke. Talk about how the offense kind of ran through those guys and what, what each of them brought to the table. Man, um, back then, I mean, <laughs> we, we ran an old, a old offense um, under uh, what was the offensive coordinator, Red, Red Fox is um, – that's what they called him, but man, we were um, Tom, Tom, and 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 Rashad both had. They brought a lot to the table. Tom himself, I mean, he was a he didn't have a as big of an arm as Rashad, but man, he was a hard nosed player. I don't know if you recall watching him play. Man, he will. Man, he, he pretty much was the guy that ran the option. Uh, he, he did most of the running, but he would put his stick his head down there, and if we, we needed a you know a yard or two, man, he was. We can we can count on Tom. When it came to Russ, I mean, he was man. Russ had a, a big arm. I mean, he um, he had a nice ball. I always wondered to this day, like why, how come that that guy didn't get a shot to the to the NFL? But both of them both of them brought a lot to the game. And um, you know, I you know it was first time I I think during that era, first time you ever seen two quarterbacks you know rotating in and out like they did. Um, but they did a great job, both of them. They do you remember that? To the team. Hmm? Do you remember that Gator Bowl in '90 with Michigan? Yeah, what, do I? Yeah. What what what, what kind of happened there? What <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's hilarious. Um, I mean, we did great that year. We did good. I think we went what nine and two, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. And um, you know, it came down to the to the um to that Gator Bowl. It's like who was the real big M, you know, you got Michigan and you got Mississippi and man, you know, um, it was amazing. I think that year, I don't know if we had played UT, the Bulls. I don't, I'm not sure. I think it was my, my freshman year, but long story short, you know, at the time I think UT may have been like one of the bigger teams we ever played faced against, you know, um, and man, when we played against Michigan, it was, it, <laughs> you know, we had like, uh, I don't know if you remember Sean O'Malley, he was a nose guard. He's like five nine, five ten, and um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but Sean did a great job. I mean, all year long, but it was man, it, it was man amongst boys out there. Them guys, I think they had Desmond Howard. Man, he ran all over us. That you know, it was. I mean, you know, it was one of them type deals. We were like, hey man, we 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 stuck in there. But um, I just one thing, I just one little incident after halftime. Anytime I get to see Tom Luke and uh, Red Shouse, you know we came in, we came out after halftime, and they they were like discussing who was going to 
start the series. And man, it was it was funny, but they were like, "Hey, you want to start?" Like, "No, you can start." And, and um, <laughs> it was one of those tight games where you just couldn't wait to get it over with. Like, good God! But um, yeah, it was a heck of an experience, man. Yeah, yeah. but but I wanted to start with that one. We're gonna get happier after this. Okay. Um, you you ended up in I think ninety two was the year with the Jolie Dunn defense and Cassius Ware and Dwayne Dotson and all of those yeah. guys. Talk about going up against them every day in practice because you talk about men amongst boys. The, yeah. the, those guys could play. Well, put it this way, man. Thank God we didn't have to go against them guys. Um, <laughs> you know, being on the first team, um, normally it's like ones against twos, you know. But, um, man, and truth be told, I don't recall them guys ever doing like scrimmaging or um, I'm not going to say scrimmaging, but man, Joe, I just recall Joe Lee just running the crap out of them guys. They, I mean, they ran from sideline to sideline and it was like first guy to the ball. I mean, all 11 had to get to the ball. Um, so, I, man, them guys, it was just, we were, it was amazing. I mean, and I look back at, at it now, you know, during that time, you don't really appreciate the guys that you're around, but you do look at the stats like, dang, we ranked number like one and two in defense, um, and but you don't, man. Looking like I look back at videos, I'm like, man, we had a beast on, on defense. Um, you know, Norman Hand, um, of course. I mean, we oh, Chad Brown. We, we, the list goes on. A whole bunch of guys. Secondary were awesome. So um, Johnny Dixon, my old roommate, he was. Yeah, he, that whole defense was stacked. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember which year it was. It was either 92 or 93, and I was in high school in Mississippi and had recruit tickets and went up to a Georgia game. And Cassius Ware absolutely killed Eric Zire. Just picked up, Abdul Jackson picked it up and ran in for a touchdown. But that play yeah. will always stick out in my mind. Yeah. Man, them guys, I mean, Dwayne Dotson, I recall, I mean, Dwayne would study film. And you have, of course, him and Cassius, they were roommates. But um, <clears throat> them guys, they they were serious. I mean, they were they were dedicated um, to that to that film, to that football team. And you know, it's like Dwayne saw plays before they even happened. Um, so you know, I think he was a you know one of the, one of those ones that were like ahead of his time. Um, Cassius, where oh, man, a specimen. You know, even to this day, I think he's still a specimen. I mean, you look at that guy. Um, but the, <laughs> that's on the field. You get to, you know him off the field like totally opposite, totally opposite. great guy, you know, loving guy, man, a real soft, you know, big teddy bear to be honest with you. But um, yeah, mm. yeah, those some great guys, man, great guys. You know. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Vanderbilt game. That record held up for about thirty years. I think AJ might have been the receiver that broke it. I can't remember which one, but it was in the mid two thousands. That it went down. Right. But how did that offense? And this isn't any slight against you at all, but Ole Miss didn't yeah. throw the ball very much. Like, correct? Yeah. How did How did you get two hundred and ten yards in a Vanderbilt game? Well, back then, man, we, I, you know, we were like, we we used to talk about yaks. You know, it's about yards after catch, and um, and then, you know, we and we took pride in that as, as receivers. You know, um, the actually the guy who helped the um. The record prior to me was Pat Coleman. I think Pat mm -hmm. Coleman, Coleman, he had just left, 
So I think the um, his record may have stood maybe two years, th- about three or four years, maybe. Mm-hmm. I can't recall exactly, but um, you know, once again, in Red Fox offense as a receiver, you're in a three point stand. You know, um, <laughs> my brothers them give me a hard time about that to this day. But anyway, um, <laughs> but so you know, you're not in like a running, you know. In a, in, a, in a type of offense that the ball just stayed in the air. No, like today, uh, I, I only can imagine. But, you know, I don't like to get caught up in that. I don't want to sound like an old head that's bitter, you know. <laughs> so, so <laughs> But God knows, man, about, you know. So any, any opportunity, of course, back then, you didn't you didn't get too many balls thrown your way. So you tried to make the best of it, you know, every opportunity given. So, um, if I catch the ball, I'm trying to get to the end zone. I don't give a damn where I was, you know. Uh, excuse my language, but I don't care. We're on our on our two yard line. I'm I'm trying to go 98 yards with it. So um, I had a couple of big runs in that game. Um, and funny thing about it is, um, when I broke the record, I actually took my tape off. I was letting one of the other guys, the younger guys, go go in and you know get some reps. And um, somewhere or another, they couldn't find a helmet, so I had to run in. And you, I've taken my tape off, my gloves off, and. <laughs> Man, it just so happened the ball came my way and boom, I broke the record. Uh, scored a touchdown. It was the last catch I had. I think it went for like 30 yards or something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah amazing game, man. So we're, we're going to talk about this in a second, but your son is the starting running back at Tennessee. If you were in that Josh Heupel offense doing what Cedric Tillman does, yeah, I can see you smiling already just thinking about it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, man, you know, I don't like, you know, I don't never talk about it. I just, in my head, yeah, you're just like, wow, really? You know, uh, man, it's, it's it's a receiver's dream. I mean, if you look at the draft, I mean, I don't think the first running back got taken until, like, second round last year. So, I just let you know, like, man, it's it's, it's a receiver's game this, today. So, um, yeah, you know, looking back at it, um, you would, you know, look at, looking at it now, you're, you'll think, like, man, True. How how fun would it be just yeah. to know that the ball, you know, your, your ball is coming your way a good eight times, ten times a game, and that's you know that's 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 paradise for a receiver has yeah. to be. Um, and you have a unique situation. I think two of your brothers and your son have played for SEC schools. Uh, talk right. talk about that. Were you, were you the first, and then like OJ and Tony and Tony? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I was the first. I'm the oldest. Um, and, it, you know, the funny thing is, Ole Miss didn't really recruit <clears throat> neither one of them. And I, I was, you know, my, my middle brother, Tony, he he hung out with me up there at, um, like, my the summer of going to my senior year. Um, and I think he had, actually, Leroy Mullins did a surgery. Did, well, he didn't do the surgery. He did, you know, the physical therapy on his knee. I think my brother has he had some type of little bone removed from his um femur or whatnot. But long story short, so they were familiar with Tony, um and I don't know what happened. you know, Tony I don't know if they didn't think he could, they could get him at the time. I think Tony was like may have been he was highly ranked, you know, as a receiver, but um man that when did that stop anything? So I, it, it was kind of one of them type deals. I mean, I got a few phone calls, and there were people like, "Man, what's going on?" I, I, I didn't have a clue, and I didn't understand it. But um, you know, everything worked out for the best. Um, yeah, he ended up going to Georgia, and he, he did pretty well there. And um, of course, OJ, he's my youngest brother. Uh, man, 
he played quarterback actually in high school. And I was now I'm not going to sit and lie to you when he when Steve Spurrier recruited him as as a receiver. I'm like, man, get the heck out of here! How in the world are you getting up in Florida? You know, playing with quarterback. <laughs> but but he, you know, I give him a hard time, but um, he made the best of it. You know, all both of them end up making all SEC wide receivers, and so um. And, and, and at the end of the day, man, they, they were able to go out and create their own, you know, um, the legendary or whatnot. So, yeah, you know, and they didn't want to fall in Big Brother's footsteps, I suppose. Yeah, and uh, with Jabari, we're not going to talk about recruitment or anything like that, but what is it like to be a dad watching your son playing in the SEC in that situation? Because that's got to be a complete role reversal. <laughs> And all the stuff you were counting on whenever you were playing, you're like, eh, no, 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 just be okay. <laughs> you know, right. Um, and man, it's, it's, I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I mean, I'm, I've gotten, I'll be 50 years old this year, and I'm like, man, I'm, you know, and this is my youngest son. It's my, you know, so it's, of course, playing running back, and um, I was tight. I wanted to play on defense. You know, I never worked with him as a receiver. Never worked with his hands. I'm like, no, nah, dude, we're going to be on the defensive side of the ball. But anyway, Jabari, um, he's like that. He's the running back. And, man, um, you know, back, like I was telling you earlier, saying earlier, you know, Brewer, you know, he instill that dog in you. You know, I don't care if you hurt. I don't care if your arm is, when you run, your arm is, your shoulder's popping out of, out of you know, it's popping out of out the joint. Or, man, you keep your butt in the game. And, um so you get older, you learn like, dang, I should have took better care of my body, so on and so forth. But um, so you kind of want to, you know, um, I guess inform your kids. And I tell Jabari, to tell Jabari, like, man, um, hey, man, so there's a life, there's a life after football. So hey, you get binged up, you, you tell the coach, and you come out the game, and you know, you take care of yourself. Not, you know, anyway, long story short, he, he ended up getting injured, unfortunately, early on last year, and um. Man, and he 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 constantly put himself out the game. Then he's wondering, like, well, why this man? I'm not tough. There, why did that question my durability? I'm like, well, I'm like, do you really want to know? And he's this is like after he's been whining and crying. You know, I'm gonna say he's not whining and crying, but a little concerned about, you know, um, them questioning his his toughness and his durability. And I I told him, I said, man, do you want dad or you want the um, me to get it to you wrong? He's like, give it to me raw, Dad. Well, I'm going to tell you then, well, you need to keep your ass in the damn game. I don't give a damn. Unless your arm is falling off, if it's not hanging off by, by your skin, you keep playing. And um, I hate to tell you this, but if this is what means, if, if it means that much to you, this is what it's going to take. And so, um, of course, man, I'm in the stands. I'm nervous. I'm like a nervous. I'm, I'm, one time I stand, I was at the booth um, trying to get something, to, you know, to drink, and I'm sitting there shaking the entire time. I'm like, man, you know. And I, I know he's hurt. And it's like, man, you got 250-pound linebackers, you know, coming at you full speed. And you have two blown shoulders and you're doing the best you can, as a, you know. And I understand it's football, but I'm like, man, this parent, this dad is talking like, hey, man, that's my poor son out there, you know. Um, <laughs> like, get out of there, son. But, hey, anyway, this is what he want to do. So, um Hey, he's he he made it through. He made it past it, so he's over, able to overcome that. Yeah. yeah. Do you know who Jabari kind of reminds me of? And I think he would. This player was at Ole Miss when you were there, but he has a little bit of Corey Philpot in him. 
Yeah, he does real quick. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, Phil Pop, man. He was, he was a, um, a, a, a slasher real fast, real quick. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Hmm. He yeah. hits a hole 100 miles per hour. Yeah, he's. He can yeah, make people J- missing open. <laughs> J- Jabari's kind of a slight guy. You're just getting nervous because he 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 runs hard, but you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, here's the thing, man. I, I'm like, you know, um, once again, you know, the old Eddie will be like, hey, man, you run through these guys. You know, you run, you put your head down, you run, you run them over, or you. You know, so on and so forth. Now I'm like, hey man, look, you can you can avoid all the contact you can. Do it, you know. <laughs> You're right. Make them miss. <laughs> it's not your job to get you know to take on tackles. It's your job to make them miss. So, um, yeah, he he's he does a pretty good job at it. You know? Yeah. Corfield Park, great. Yeah, uh, that would be a great comparison without a doubt. Yeah. Anyway, get more of the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen every day. Host Chris Gordy and his local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes or less. Make Locked On SEC your second listen of the day. That's Locked On SEC. Eddie Small joining us. Thank you very much today, man. This has been a great call. And hopefully in the future, you know, we can get back and do it again, man. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. It was a pleasure. I appreciate you having me. All right. Have a good day, man. Okay, you too. Bye-bye.